listening to another Jags podcast. This is our daily mailbag for Thursday morning. It is game day. We are playing the Titans on a Thursday night matchup that is full of some interesting storylines to say the least. Uh, we'll get to those here in a second, but before we do, make sure you follow us on Twitter. We're at another Jags pod. Uh, we're on Instagram at another Jags podcast. We're being, we're more active on there than we've ever been putting our play cutups on there. And also we're on YouTube. Um, just search another Jags podcast. You can find us. Uh, we are, you can find us on the SB nation feed. You can find us on the overtime network feed. So without further ado, let's jump into this podcast. Uh, We we are going to preview a little bit of the Jaguars-Titans matchup a little bit, Um, but this is more of a offensive formation tendencies podcast that we do a lot of film cut up here at another Jags podcast. Uh, We're super into film. uh, I'm a film junkie. You can follow my personal Twitter. I'm at jtrent904, but basically we break down all the film for all the Jags games. Uh, That's what we're known for around here. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, because we did break down every play from the Jaguars Houston game. Um, I know this whole Jalen Ramsey storyline has been beaten to the ground. Here are my last thoughts on Jalen Ramsey, and then um, I will we'll get into the to the film and the tendencies and the formations and all that. Um, first thing I just want you know I think people aren't talking about enough is the timing of this request being before the primetime game. Uh, you're kidding yourself if you don't think this was very tactical on Jalen Ramsey's camp's part. I'm not saying the outburst on the sideline was staged, um, but the fact that this is all happening the week of our only primetime game where Thursday night all eyes are on us, and I'm sure the storyline of Jalen Ramsey is going to be pretty much front and center for everyone in the nation. You're kidding yourself if you don't think that was planned out by Jalen Ramsey and his agent. Uh, I don't think this is an impromptu event uh, whatsoever. I think you see guys like A.B., Le'Veon Bell, Trent Williams for the Redskins doing this type of thing where it's it's ultimately free agency and these guys that are demanding trades because they're not happy in their situation. You're seeing that more and more, and I think this was uh, well thought out and something that they probably had planned since the offseason, since the beginning of the year they've said that uh, Jalen says he doesn't see himself with the future here in Jacksonville. Uh, we just all chose to ignore it. Uh, the next thing, though, I want to defend Jalen Ramsey here for a second. Um, remember, the NFL teams, they trade you without any loyalty, right? Uh, the second that you think you have roots somewhere, they trade you. We see it time and time again. Players getting traded all over the place. Uh, who was the receiver for the the Eagles? Uh, Coleman. Corey Coleman, man, had his family rooted in Philly, all of a sudden traded out of Cleveland. Look, these teams have no loyalty to these players. And for us to expect these players to have loyalty back to us is, is kind of ignorant, honestly. Franchises and GMs, they're all about making money, and they look at these players as commodities. And then when players start to view themselves as commodities, we get offended. It's kind of it's it's two way street if we look at it like that. So Jalen, uh, look, I love I love Jalen. He's he's literally my favorite Jaguar we've had here since Maurice Jones Drew. Love watching the guy play. Uh, you can't blame him. He's he's not getting paid a lot of money. It's criminal what he's getting paid. Um, honestly, I'd say he's pathetically underpaid. 
in my opinion. And the fact that we let him go this long, I mean, dude, the dude is like, can you imagine being Jalen Ramsey and playing as yourself in Madden and being like the shutdown corner, the best corner in the game and, and people talking about you, but then you look at your, what you're getting paid and players like Jared Wilson are getting paid more than you. Uh, I can understand um, his offense. And, and honestly, we probably should have extended him first and foremost, even though he still had time on his contract. He's a generational talent. And you don't let them walk. Uh, giving a shout out to my boy, the Noah Bennett, who pointed that out on Twitter. My last point is this. Look, life goes on. Players come and go. We've been Jags fans our entire career. We've been Jags fans our whole life. Um, born Jags fan. Players come and go. Good ones come. Good ones go. At the end of the day... We're Jags fans. Duval till we die. I'm just glad we have a team. Let's sign in Gawkway. Let's get him locked up and let's keep this defense together for who we have. That's enough about Jalen Ramsey, okay? I understand the media has been beating this to death. Let's move on into our offensive tendencies and the formations from the Texans games. I got some fun little um, tidbits. We're going to hit this real quick and then we're going to break down what to expect in the Titans game, uh, probably in the second segment. This is going to be a short daily mailbag. Uh, we'll do an episode probably tomorrow after the game. Okay, let's look at – we're breaking down the offense here today from the Texans game. Um, again, and this is not like a, a critique of the Texans game. Like everyone's done the Texans game reviews. This is kind of more looking at our offense and John D. Filippo. I mean, he's a new offensive coordinator. It's new here, and uh, it's something that I like to look at as someone who is interested in tendencies and formations and things of that nature. All right, first of all, looking at the offense, we ran 64 plays on offense. Uh, that, that is on the low end, but considering the length of the possessions the Texans had, it's not surprising. All right, out of the 64 plays, the most run play that formation that we were in was what's called 11-gun wide tight. And I'll explain what that means, right? 11-gun meaning uh, we, we call the formations 11. That means there's one tight end and there's one running back. Gun, obviously, meaning he's in shotgun. So Minshew was in shotgun. He had a running back to his side. It was probably Leonard Fournette most of the game. And then there's a tight end lined up tight on the line of scrimmage. Was, most of the time it was James O'Shaughnessy. O'Shaughnessy had a pretty good game. Uh, sometimes it was Swaim, though. And But that was the most run formation. Ran it 27 times out of 64. That's that's pretty good. Um, I like that. One of, my for, one of my favorite formations for sure. Especially if you have a receiving tight end, which we really don't. So I was surprised that we ran that. Um, interestingly enough, 10-gun, which a lot of people like to run in games like Madden, right? Where that's basically you just have one running back, you're in shotgun, and you have no tight end. You're split out with either trips right or two-by-two two set with your wide receivers. Um, we, we only ran that 16 times. So only 16 times we ran no tight end on the field or the tight end was split out as like a wide receiver with a pretty fat split from the line of scrimmage. What's interesting about those 16 plays we ran without a tight end, 13 of those plays came on the last two drives and like eight of them on the final drive, that nice long drive. We went down and scored a touchdown. It's interesting to look at because I don't think the Texans were in a prevent defense. They weren't in that side of situation. It wasn't garbage time. Like the Texans were 100% playing their best defense to try to keep us out of the end zone. And in that situation, when we were both trying game on the line, 13 of those, we ran uh, no tight end set. So why did we run tight ends, you know, 14 other times in the game out of that gun? I don't know. Is that to bring an extra blocker for the runner? Maybe. 
but it wasn't tricking anybody because most of those plays didn't really work. And uh, we'll get to that here in a second. Out of the 64 offensive plays, 23 plays went for over five yards. So five yards or more. That's, that's a pretty good percentage. That's a pretty good percentage. I mean, that's a, that's a third. That's over a third of the pl- offensive plays went for over five yards. That's, that is actually what you want. What killed us was the penalties. We got behind on the sticks so many times, whether it been false starts, holdings. I think every player on the offensive line had a holding besides A.J. Can. And combine that with the false starts we had from Richardson and from Taylor was not a good day for the offensive line as far as penalties go. And it, it, it's a little side tangent. People are giving A.J. Can a bunch of crap. Uh, he was named like a starter today uh, to start with the Titans game in addition to Cam Robinson, which is great news. But people were like upset that AJ Can was starting at right guard instead of Will Richardson. AJ Can probably had the best game as the offensive lineman on on our entire offensive line last game. And I'm telling you right now, people that listen to this podcast for a while know I've been hard on AJ Can because I don't think he's been that good with us. He's been the guy that's been that glaring weakness on our offensive line. But in reality, he had a great game. There was two plays. I think on the second to last drive of the game or the first drive in the second half where they pulled him from right guard to the left outside of the tackle of Richardson. And he opened up two pretty fat holes for Leonard Fournette. And some of our most successful run plays were on that pulling right guard when in a, in a zone run scheme, you don't get a lot of that. I was impressed with AJ Kane. I thought he had a pretty decent game. Uh, and so for the fans that are mad that he's still starting, he honestly, like I said, he played the best that probably any of the offensive linemen did last game. Um, moving on, um, only four negative plays. Only four plays where we were sacked or it was minus one. There was quite a few plays where we didn't gain any yards. Um, but as far as negative plays, only four out of 64. That's a good, pretty good percentage. The total breakdown was 21 run plays and 43 pass plays. And again, there was only one drive where we really were playing from behind. And it was that last drive of the game where we scored and couldn't get uh, the two-point conversion. Granted, that last play of the game was 14 plays, which were all pass with the exception of five run plays. So there, granted, there was that last drive where we, where we did pass the ball nine times. But still, I mean, that's still a, a overall a more passes than runs. Not to mention, I factored in the scrambles from Minshew, which he had quite a few uh, as run plays. So overall, a pretty decent game in the pass department. I thought all the receivers played well. Chark, I mean, it's continuing to look our best wide receiver. I mean, I think no one saw that coming. I mean, we even had a poll on who was going to be the guy that led the team in receiving. It was Westbrook, it was Conley, and, and Chark was like a distant third in that poll. So uh, I hope he keeps it up. I, hope, I mean, this is great to see from him. Chris Conley is making his money on that slant route. It is a beautiful thing to watch. And, and Minshew hitting him, man. Minshew, again, is just continuing to look like a steal of the draft. Is he going to be our answer this year? I don't know, but it, he's looked good. He's looked good in the meantime. So good for him. I hope he keeps it up. I'm not worried about the receiving court. I'm pretty excited about that. All right, uh, we're going to hit a quick break because we don't like these mailbags to be too long because we understand you guys are trying to get to work. You're, you know, you're doing whatever. Um, so we're going to hit you with these quick mailbags. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to hit 
Uh, and we're gonna hit we're gonna hit a couple of your questions, but I want to kind of talk about that play that they ran in the two point conversion, and it's it's pretty multi layered and complicated, and I thought it would be, and after doing more research, it definitely is. But I want to get to it, and I want to get y'all's reaction on that. So hang tight, y'all. Get a quick word from these sponsors, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back to another Jags podcast. This is your daily mailbag for Thursday morning. We have Thursday night football coming up. We are playing the Tennessee Titans at home. Should be rocking at the bank. I hope it is. You can catch us in the sky patio. That's the deck above the bud zone. We don't hang out with those degenerates. Just kidding. We love you all. But we're in the uh, level above this, uh, the bud zone. It's called the sky patio. Uh, we like to hang out there. That's where we're at. You can catch us. I'm thinking about wearing a Jalen Ramsey jersey because I think I have a really nice one, like a vapor elite jersey and it might be the last chance i get to wear it at a jags game so i think i'm gonna have the the Minshew mustache i'm shaving that um the ramsey jersey and i'm excited because hopefully we get to see a win tomorrow and i think we will see a win a little spoiler we'll talk more about that game here at the end of this mailbag but uh, real quick make sure you follow us on uh twitter we're at another jags pod facebook instagram another jags podcast i'm jason here with you you can follow my personal twitter at uh, jtrent904 Okay, let's get into this extra point, two-point conversion play because, uh, like I said, I teased in the first half. It, it's kind of multi-layered. Doug Marone said in the press conference that they had that play drawed up. Drawn? Drawed? Who, I don't know. I'm not an English major. Drawn up before the drive even started. They said He said uh, verbatim, if they returned the kick for a touchdown, <laughs> he was going to kick the extra point. If we scored on the drive, he had that play in his head before the drive started. What's interesting is on that final drive that led to the touchdown, the Jags ran inside zone, which was the play they ran uh, for the extra point. They ran that play twice. And actually, it was on back-to-back plays. They ran inside zone in back-to-back plays because they were trying to pick up a first down. They were on their own 40-yard line. The Jags were on their own 40-yard line. It was third and two. They ran inside zone, and Fournette got one yard. Fourth and one. Fournette ran inside zone again on the very next play, got one yard. The spot was generous, and that's the only reason why the drive was alive because of the generous spot. So we ran it two plays in a row on that very same drive, and we got what I like to call 2.1 yards combined on that from a generous spot. You would think that after that not working, that on the two-point conversion play, to win the game, you're going to go outside of that play just based on what you've seen on that drive. Not to mention that Minshew was dealing with the ball in his hands. He was making good decisions, and he was making things happen outside of the pocket. The only justification I could give Marone was that maybe if you put the ball in Minshew's hands and he got outside of the pocket, there would be a holding because there were a lot of holdings in that game, especially when Minshew got outside the pocket. The offensive line was holding left and right. That's not the end of the world, though. Like, that's not the end of the world. Uh, you, 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 you kick the extra point if it's a holding call and you would go to overtime. So I don't understand that. Well, so, But when we got to the 
the the the extra point play for two point conversion. Some people say it was an RPO, right? The the play call was actually an RPO, and I went back and watched the film, and you can see Keelan Cole kind of rub uh, run a rubber out. I think it was with uh, Conley or Chark, I can't remember. But uh, Keelan Cole runs the inside slant on a rubber out. Here, here's my problem with that, though. Why, why are you making the decision, or why are you putting the ball in Minshew's hands to make the decision to even run the inside zone? Like, if Minshew sees that the inside zone is open, which is what we're saying he did, and he hands Fournette the ball, best case scenario, he's going to get a yard like he did five plays earlier. Why even give him that option? The second problem I have with this play is the read option is Keelan Cole on a slant. A guy who hadn't had a catch all game and has a history of drops, we're going to trust him in that moment. So we hadn't run RPO. Inside zone wasn't working. And Keelan Cole can't catch. And that's the play you have in your head if that were the play in your head. And that's giving Doug Rohn the benefit of the doubt that he wasn't a bonehead and called a play that didn't work all game. I don't know. Like That play really irked me as a guy who loves play calls and the strategy behind it. I don't know if DeFlippo got in his own head. He tried to outsmart them. I mean, the average per carry between the tackles was less than two yards, hands down. Most of the yards came outside of the tackles, flares, things like that. I don't know. Not a great play call. I'm st- I think the play calling lost us that game. So Jalen Ramsey demanding a trade, is it surprising? Well, when your management messes up like that, I'd be mad too. We've moved on, though, from the Texans. I know we've just spent the last 20 minutes talking about it, but I swear we've moved on. Let's look at, like, kind of real quick, because we're going to talk to death this weekend about the Titans and the Jags matchup. But let's just talk about what the Jags are going to have to do to win. Here's what we're going to need to watch for. Look, for me, it's going to be all about Gardner Minshew. Now, I understand that there's the whole Jalen Ramsey thing that's all people are going to be talking about, but... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me. Like, honestly, I thought Trey Herndon played pretty well last week. And I think Trey Herndon will be a pretty decent player. And the more I watch Trey Herndon, the less I miss Jalen Ramsey. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Jalen Ramsey is is a bad player or that we're not going to miss him. But I think Trey Herndon's pretty good. Our biggest issue is A.J. Boye. And can he finally step up and play? Not worried about the Titans receivers whatsoever. The Titans haven't had a good receiver since uh, Kevin Dyson. Uh, Frank Wycheck, the tight end. I mean, I, we haven't had anyone in a while. Derrick Henry, I'm a little concerned about the run up the middle. I'm a little concerned about the guys that, uh, you know, I mean, the the Texans ran up the middle. I mean, Carlos Hyde gouged us between the tackles. But I think having Ngakwe back is really going to help that defensive line. And I think uh, Quincy Williams is going to continue to get better every game. Miles Jack, I think, continues to get better. I'm not too worried about Derrick Henry at all. I'm a little worried about Mariota, Mariota escaping the pocket, but I think we can get that under wraps. If we really just spy him with Miles Jack, if we can get just eyes on the backfield. I mean, Quincy Williams is fast, man. He kept making plays last game that you were just like, man, that guy's speed flashed. So for us, it's going to be about can our offense score. I think we'll hold the Titans offense to not a lot of points like we usually do. And it's can the offense score. And I think we'll open up the field a little bit with Gardner Minshew. Look, you got to let Gardner Minshew throw. You got to put him in 10 gun. You got to get him with four wide receivers out there running route concepts because the guy's smart and he makes good plays. If the offensive line can block for 
two seconds, Minshew's going to make a good decision. If that's tuck it and run, if that's the easy quick out. I mean, so many times Minshew hit O'Shaughnessy on flares last game that were just the perfect read. And then it just made the defense come up until it opened up the back shoulders to Chark, until it opened up Conley down the field. Westbrook on the crossers. All the things that these guys are good at, it opened it up for them. So I think what's going to really come down to is Gardner Minshew. Can the offensive line block for him? Getting Cam Robinson back at left tackle should help. We don't know how good he is. Will Richardson did not play that well at left tackle. There was holdings left and right. He got beat for that uh, strip sack around the edge one time. Wasn't that good. Jawan Taylor, he looks he looks okay. He, I mean, he's, he's what I expect out of a rookie. AJ Can, like I said, looks good. Linder had one holding. Besides that, he was pretty solid. Norwell, I think he did get beat a couple times. He whiffed on a block. He's whiffed on screens all season. Man, he's probably been the biggest disappointment out of everyone. I was so hyped on him. So hyped on him, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's going to be all about the offensive line. I, I think we're done with this Fournette between the tackles business. I think we're all about getting Fournette the ball in space. We saw what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands with some space. He's Look, people, people want to pin him as the Ezekiel Elliott back. He's not. He's more of an Alvin Kamara. And I know people don't want to believe that, and it's not a very popular opinion because of his like body structure and his size and his play style. But what he's shown us this year and the moments he was in last year – he is better with the ball in his hands on the outside as a receiving back than he is a guy with vision between the tackles. There was a play that he had last game. It was in the it was in the A gap. Linder had a good seal block. Norwell had a good seal block. And Fournette just missed the gap. So get Fournette the ball in space. Let's quit messing around with this. Try to be this run between the tackles team. I know it's going to hurt. Marone's heart to do it, but let's start doing it, man. I'm I'm over it. All right, let's just. Hit a, I mean, I'm sorry. I I got real caught up in these formations and everything that I didn't get to a lot of your questions. I will I will make sure to be better about this in the future. But let's just hit a couple of these uh, real quick, and I'm going to comment on them uh, real quick. Now this is from Brent Papineau, and he's at Brent Papineau. He says, "If we trade a player and a pick for Ramsey, will our cap issues cause problems if they make more since Ramsey is on his rookie deal?" Uh, no, because we have opened up cap room. Like we we haven't signed people like people yet. Like like we haven't signed Ngakwe because of the looming Ramsey deal. Uh, we got rid of Tayshawn Gibson to make room for Ngakwe and to make room for Ramsey and all these guys. So I, it is something that it's not going to be an issue. We've been kind of anticipating this to open up. So not going to hurt us as much um, if we bring in a guy like that. And honestly, if we bring in a guy, he's probably going to be a guy who's also on the verge of a deal, whether it be it's expiring or he's going to need a new one. And uh, I don't think it'll be... That much, or it'll be a guy who's who's not a lot of money. Solid question, though. Solid question. Um, say Jacobs, this is a good one. He says also, uh, I all games need more cameras. Most Jags games this year will have eight to twelve, and Chiefs will probably average fourteen to twenty-five per game. The Jags being bad and playing at one p.m. and not in prime time means Jags get fewer cameras and thus fewer angles. Now, Shay Jacobs. I'm not going to air him out, 
but Shay Jacobs has a little bit more insight on this than the rest of us do listening to this podcast. Uh, I can tell you for a fact that when he says that the Jags games will have eight to 12 cameras and the chiefs will have 14 to 25, he knows exactly what he's talking about. So thus the question is, is why don't all teams have 14 to 25 cameras in their games? I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar operation and holding back on 10 cameras a game. Like how much is that really costing you? Like I get, you got to pay for the cameras. That's a one-time cost. Uh, you got to pay the guys that operate it. I'm sure there's some sort of producer who produces the camera angles and things like that. It seems like a small sum for the NFL to, and we're talking about the NFL adding like games and the NFL adding like roster spots. And we're worried about cameras. Yeah, that's a good point, Shay. They should probably get that figured out. And um, honestly, Shay, you probably have more pull than any of us here. So if you could work on that, that would be much appreciated. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this Daily Mailbag. We appreciate you guys listening. Um, We're going to definitely be on with you tomorrow. Send us your thoughts about the Titans game tomorrow, no matter how it turns out. Uh, we'll read them on there, and we'll, t- we'll talk about what you guys want to talk about. Uh, this is a fan show. We do it for you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, make sure you follow us on all our social media sites and uh, give us some good reviews on iTunes. All right, thanks, guys, for listening, and as always, go Jags.